Welcome to the Church on a Hill podcast. This is Pastor Corey Lahiri, and the Church on a Hill podcast is a ministry of Palouse Federated Church in Palouse, Washington. We are glad you joined us for this podcast, and we hope that that this will bless you. Song is a prayer, and actually fits right along with our message today from Revelation. Where is your heart, and who is the King of your heart? Uh, we're in Revelation 18. Today, if you want to follow along with the sermon outline in the bulletin, you can always do that and take notes, or that helps you. Um, Revelation 18 is where we find ourselves as we've been going through the book of Revelation, Um, and we're going to finish up on Sunday, October 1st, unless the Lord comes back, of course, uh, uh, or my schedule gets knocked off, but uh, that's the plan. So, uh, you know, part of the magic of living in the 1980s for me, maybe you weren't there, or maybe you were wanting to forget it, but uh, was the Rocky franchise of movies. Now, uh, there we go. Uh, Rocky IV, for me, played into the desire as a young American kid to believe that the USSR, remember the USSR, yeah, Uh, was not as strong as we feared, okay? I grew up with, uh, with that fear and that the USSR, that monolithic USSR, not as strong as we feared. We had Rocky's opponent, Rocky on the left. If you're unfamiliar with Rocky, we'll have to talk later. But that's Rocky on your left and I think Ivan Drago on the, on the right there, you know, the best uh, Soviet steroid boxer you could find. And um, famously, the character said in the movie, I will break you, right? It's my best Russian accent. But uh, in the end, giving away, spoiler alert, sorry, the movie's been out 40 years, but or about. Uh, in the end, it was the much shorter, I think he's probably actually standing on something there because Sylvester Stallone was really short, but the much shorter Italian stallion from the mean streets of Philadelphia that came out victorious, right? And then, interestingly, a few years later, Rocky IV turned into prophecy. Now, not the level of biblical prophecy, but a few years later, the USSR did fall, right? This, this nation that, that made such bold claims and tried to even go, come into the Western Hemisphere with, with communism, right? The Babylon that is the Soviet Union started to fall apart, as all empires do. And so one day will our nation. Only God's kingdom will stand eternally. There will be people from all nations in the kingdom. We've heard that over and over over again in the Revelation, but thank goodness there will not be a parliament of nations, right? For the nations themselves and the kingdoms will fall. All Babylons will fall, and there will be one kingdom eternally, and that will be God's kingdom. And this is what we hear from the word. That's the plan. And so today we're gonna hear the poetic words of the fallen powers and empires of this world symbolized all in the fall of Babylon. Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. For you alone are truly our rock and our redeemer. You are the true king. Your kingdom is the the only everlasting kingdom. So you alone should we rightly fear. You alone should we fully follow. You alone should our lives be founded upon. And citizenship in your kingdom should be primary for us. 
you should have our heart. And you, the king, should, should sit on our hearts like a throne. So today, Lord, in this message, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. If there's anything that's taking place of you in our heart, if we have pushed out anything, or put in your place, I should say, pushed you out with anything, would you please open us up to that? Would you use this sermon message time as a, an act of worship, as an act of spiritual growth? Would, would you cause by your Holy Spirit your people here and online to be praying for themselves as they hear your word, connecting it to their lives and how they could live for you? And Lord, I ask that you would also cause your people to pray for me and other preachers, that we would rightly declare your word so that you would be glorified, Lord, so that you would be lifted up, so that your church would be built up. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to be in Revelation 18. That takes place right after that strong image that we saw in Revelation 17 a couple of weeks ago, the prostitute of Babylon, another image of the attractions of this world falling apart, evil attacking evil, we even saw in chapter 17. And, and evil falls apart towards the end of this book. We're seeing the evil plans and the evil powers fall, and we're going to see that here with much poetry in Revelation 18. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. And the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. For her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her a like measure of torment and mourning. Since in her heart she says, I sit as a queen. I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. For this reason, her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire. For mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her, will weep and wail over her, and when they see the smoke of her burning, they will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city, Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth weep, and mourn for her, since no one buys their cargo anymore. 
cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, and sheep, horses and chariots and slaves, that is human souls. The fruit for which your soul longed has gone from you. And all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. The merchants of these wares who gained wealth from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. Alas, alas, for the great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels, and with pearls. For in a single hour, all this wealth has been laid waste. And all shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors and all whose trade is on the sea, stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. What city was like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads and they wept and mourned, crying out, Alas, alas, for the great city, where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth, for in a single hour she has been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone, and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. And the sound of harpists and musicians, of flute players and trumpeters, will be heard in you no more. And a craftsman of any craft will be found in you no more. And the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more. And the light of a lamp will shine in you no more. And the voice of bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more. For your merchants were the great ones of the earth. And all nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all who have been slain on earth. This is the word of the Lord. It is. And we need its image and its truth that that God reveals to us. Well, we see here that Revelation 17 and 18 go together. If you didn't get to hear the Revelation 17 message, it's on our YouTube channel or on our website. But this double whammy of two chapters together of, of the fall of the powers and the attractions of this world, the, the economies, the governments, the fall of the prostitute of Babylon in chapter 17, and now the fall of the city of Babylon here in chapter 18. 
And this gives us the news that the power of evil, though it doesn't always look like evil, sometimes it just like, it looks like the fine treasures of the world and the, the consumption and, and the entertainment and all the ways that we distract ourselves from simply living for God and loving others, all these things that keep us from glorifying God will one day dissolve and be done away with. The worldliness, the empires, the parties, the leaders, the economies of this world, the ones that push out God and God's justice will ultimately come to an end. And so we see here with the prostitute of Babylon in chapter 17 and now the city of Babylon here in chapter 18, these these are really a description of the same things. Now, some of you may hold some teaching that takes it as a specific city in the Middle East in the future times, and maybe that will be the case. But I think it also, for the last 2,000 years, has, has, God has been inspiring this to say, be careful, church and followers of me, to invest yourself in that which is passing away. Uh, be wise not to get yourself invested in Babylon. You see, you've you got to come out, come out of Babylon, for it is passing away. The prostitute in chapter 17 had an ability to lure people in, an attraction to her. And we, we even heard a couple weeks ago that the apostle John, he, he was marveling at her greatly, it said, right? And he was humble enough to admit that and pass it along in the scripture. There's an alluring reality to the attractions of this world. But the prostitute fell and was burned up and and, and, and likewise, here in chapter 18, the city of Babylon, with all its impressive achievements, with all of its wealth and its commerce and, and all of its activities, will come to an end. And what this is telling us is the self-centered, humanistic way of living is ultimately not sustainable, according to God. We've been saying this over and over again. It's a theme of Revelation. When we push God out of the center, in Revelation, God is at the center of existence. He's at the center of the throne room. He's supposed to be at the center of our heart, but when we push God out of the center and we try to have something else as the center of gravity, it leads to what we're saying is disintegration. Things fall apart. We may pretend like they're holding together for a while, and God, for a while, allows us to to pretend, I guess you could say, in order that we might actually wake up and turn to him. But when we put something else at the center of our hearts that, that is not able to have the center of gravity that God has for us, things fall apart. And when we put ourselves at the center, when we put our, 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 our humanity at the center, as good as it can sound sometimes with our human ideas or philosophies or whatever, it's, it's not God, it's not eternal, it's not pure, it's not perfect. No matter if it's our country or ancient Rome thought they were good enough, right? It's ultimately not sustainable. It's ultimately self-defeating. It ultimately has become a, uh, will become a house divided against itself. Now, in the future, this is gonna happen in some ultimate way where there's gonna be an ultimate falling power of human power, right? I believe that. I believe also the church has been in the interim period from the time that this was shared until now, Right? The, the time between Christ's ministry on earth and now, what we hear in, in 17 and 18 has been happening in smaller ways, not the complete ultimate way that'll happen at the end before Christ's final return, but it's been happening over and over again, right? For example, the, the big guy on the block back then in, in John's time was the Roman Empire, and it fell, 
and it divided against itself. And many have fallen since, right? The Spanish Empire, Portugal was a big kid on the block. Great Britain, I mean, it's still kind of around, but it's not exactly like it was. The Empire of Japan, the German Third Reich, the USSR, if you lived in Libya 15 years ago, you would have thought, there's no way Gaddafi and his family will ever come to an end. That's over too, right? ISIS, maybe some of us feared that would become a permanent fixture in the Middle East. All of these empires have the, the uh, commonality of that they made big claims. Sometimes some of those that I mentioned used religion. Some of them used the, the Christian religion to justify their empire expansion, like Spain and Portugal, for example. They made big claims. They, they wielded their power fiercely, right? They, 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 they had lots of ships on the sea. They had big cities and piles of gold, some of them. All of them that I mentioned. Dustbin of history. And so, the, Revelation 18, 17, have been proved over and over again true. Babylon's will fall. If God isn't at the center of a family, of a relationship, of a person, you can't have the integration, the wholeness you need, and so you're eventually going to have disintegration. And so we need to take this lesson and say, but this isn't just for history. We don't come to church just for history and to say, ah, I know why the Spanish Empire fell. That's why, that's why I came to church today, right? How much do you care about that? I, I think it's also here for us, not just to be, you know, looking at history, but to say, what about our Babylons? The little things we build in our hearts, the little empires we have, right? We need to define our Babylons. It would be, so easy to leave chapter 17 and chapter 18 and, and, as just historical lessons and also, yep, it's coming one day for those guys, right? And say, so it's a prophecy about the nations and the dictators and the presidents who won't, won't behave and won't listen to God, and it is. But I don't believe that those are, the, those are the only lessons that God wants us to see from the fall of Babylon. I believe that God wants you and I to look at our hearts and see if we are residing in Babylon with our hearts. What are we treasuring? What are we edging, edging out God with? The things that are passing away. There, there can be many material blessings that God gives us, but do we start to put some of those material things or some political philosophies or, or ideas, do we start to put them in the central place? Do we start to give our energy more to something besides God? Your life belongs to God. You are supposed to live. You and I are supposed to live to glorify God and God alone. If something else is getting more of your glory, more of your time, more of your, your attention than God... Does it deserve that place? Do we honor our earthly citizenship more than our heavenly citizenship? I frankly think earthly citizenship is fine. It's good. It's a tool God has used. But our heavenly citizenship should inform deeply how we are earth citizens, whatever nation we're a part of, right? Do we act more as consumers in this world? What tastes good to me? What feels good to me? What entertains me? We need to taste things, we need to feel things, we need to experience things, but am I more of a consumer than I am an ambassador? 
Because I tell you what, the Bible, when it talks about consuming, doesn't have a lot of good messages to say. It does say God gives you your daily bread and some other good things about how God provides for you. But it doesn't say make consumption the center part of your life. But the New Testament is clear. It does say y'all in Christ are ambassadors. That's non-negotiable. So is being an ambassador from Christ, do you even see yourself that way? As someone sent from the eternal kingdom that happens to live here for now, to represent Jesus Christ here now, to love your neighbor as best you know how, as best you can, as Jesus has loved you. Do you see yourself that way? Is that, being an ambassador, more important than the cargo on the ships that we heard about here? The fine luxuries of our day, right? Do you know your cable channels better than you know the books of the Bible? Do you know country music songs better than you know scripture? So I'm not I'm trying to be over-legalistic about that, but some of these things can help test our heart. I'm not, I'm not anti-country music. You'd say hip-hop, you could say whatever. Where's your heart? How do you see yourself? Are you an ambassador of the kingdom of God? Do you think of yourself that way? Let's look again at verse four, because this is personal for us. Verse four says, Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, And John doesn't identify that, so maybe that's the angel, maybe that is God himself saying, I'm going to step into the chapter now. Not sure, because it doesn't tell us. But it does say, come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. That means as this, this narrative unfolds that there are people of God, people of Christ, inside of the Babylon inside of the world and all this stuff that's passing away and getting destroyed. And so we see God or God's messenger, one or the other, but I'm leaning towards God here. God calling out his people from the city of Babylon. Not just in the future, but I think he's doing it to us now, right? He's saying now, are you too invested in the things of this world? Right? And I'm gonna say about our God first, about this verse, this is really merciful of God. And we see this over and over again. We're seeing love in the book of Revelation. He's patient and merciful. He's wanting to call people out. He's wanting to save people. He's wanting people to turn to him. So he's calling out, giving people the chance to admit their entanglement with Babylon. Right? So it tells us about God. God is merciful and wants us to get untangled with Babylon. But it also tells us about ourselves. We get entangled with Babylon. Right? And I think often for me, I'll just speak from personal experience, you judge yourself, but I think often we don't realize how we get entangled and how far we've grown attached to Babylon for our comfort rather than God and God's peace and God's blessings for our comfort. And we can partake in her sins and her plagues and, and think that they are actually just okay, whatever those may be. Would we bring, one way to test it is, you know, am I watching something, news, entertainment, whatever, that I would bring to the throne room of heaven? Am I supporting someone that, that honors God? This is a reality check for us, this scripture, for me, is that sometimes Babylon can feel like home to me. And I can think the things of Babylon are so important, and they're not. They're not eternally important. 
We are ambassadors sent to the Babylons to share about the eternal kingdom that's going to outlast this Babylon. The truth is the mighty, the mighty will fall is what chapter 18 is telling us. The truth is the mighty will fall. Uh, Another movie from the 80s, I believe, told us this. I don't know if it's going to show up. Let's see. There's the Death Star, and boom, it's gone. Okay, right? Some of you are like, what is that? All right. Uh, The mighty will fall, right? The mighty will fall. May not look like it, but God's given you plenty of warning, and history has showed it over and over again. The mighty will fall. The almighty will not. The supposedly mighty of this world will fall. No doubt about it. Verses 2 and 3 again. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast, for all nations, all, all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. And the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious listen. Or, or, excuse me, a luxurious living. So we do need to look and listen to this. Fallen, fallen, it says. Repeated for emphasis. Right, repeated. It's been a haunt for these unclean things. There's many things in the world that are unclean that we begin to, to tolerate. So the message here of 18, again, is what we think is indestructible is not, according to God. What we think sometimes is pure is not. Some people have convinced themselves that their political view is more pure than the other guy. I would say neither is pure enough to exist in the throne room of the heavens. Just keep that in mind. Um, Babylon has become a place of demons. Demons are tricky. (laughs) It's become a place of unclean spirits. It's detestable. Maybe started off good, but it it can become a host for all kinds of things that aren't good. And what we tend to do with our Babylons is we tend to whitewash whatever we participate in, right? Oh, this little bit of gambling is okay, or this little bit of sexual immorality is okay, or lust or greed or, or whatever, Before you know it, we're doing all kinds of things that are really just about us and living for me, myself, and I rather than living as an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven here and now. Now, we can enjoy the things of this world as long as we also give God glory in doing whatever it is, whether it's a sport or whether it is entertainment. There's plenty of ways we can enjoy the blessings of this world and give God glory, but we can't let the things of this world become our residence in central place, right? And, and what I know I tend to do is when, you know, if, it, if I like it, I will subtly, right, try to find a way to whitewash it or, or make it part of what deserves to be in my life. Not looking at the faults and injustices of whatever, uh, you know, whatever group I'm a part of or something like that. But God does no such thing, right? God sees things completely right. And this is true for all nations, it said. It said all nations. All nations have in some way had an unhealthy relationship. It says the image here of sexual immorality was pretty intense, right? So this idea that nations are are having an unhealthy relationship 
Instead of being dependent upon God, they're, they're marrying themselves, or not even marrying, but just having unhealthy relationships with the powers of this world, right? And, and, and it's intoxicating. The wealth of this world is intoxicating. To think that we actually control this world. We make bombs that destroy this world. We make interest rates that can control things up and down. We, 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 we make things up and then we say we are actually in control. We give ourselves this false illusion that we are in control when the whole time God is in control. All the rulers of the world end up being tempted. That's why we need to pray for rulers of this world because all will be tempted to give in to worldliness. Some will give in to it much more than others and some will fight the good fight and live and serve and lead to glorify God. But the temptation will be, as it is for worldly rulers, whether it's businesses, families, governments, is to live for the here and now, for power, control, wealth, and self-glory. It even happened to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, pretty holy place. Jerusalem in AD 66 had a group of zealots basically kick Rome out, take over the city for the Jewish people, right? We did it, and worldly power did it, and now we, you know, they purified it and whitewashed it and said, this is for the good of God's people and the glory of God. And then two years later, Rome came back with massive forces. And just as Jesus had prophesied decades before, those Roman forces just utterly destroyed Jerusalem and the Judean countryside, leveled the temple itself, cut down every fruit-bearing tree in Judea, and scattered the people out. Was that two years of power worth it? Hmm. The fall can come quickly. Our chapter here today says in a single hour, and you know, I think there's a lot of stuff in this chapter that's poetic. I, 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 I think we need to be careful about taking that literally as 60 minutes exactly to the second, but also I've been thinking about it, and I think, you know, sometimes there is an hour that's a tipping point. Maybe in your life there was an hour of a tipping point in a relationship where there was no recovery after a certain thing was found out or a certain thing was done. I know that the illusion that we create of power and safety and control as human beings outside of Christ, the illusion can be very strong. And when that illusion is punctured for a nation, right? <laughs> and like in the Soviet Union, when bread prices just started spiking or, 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 or when, the, you know, when the finally the, the, the Berlin Wall came down and the, the, it's punctured in that moment, maybe not exactly an hour, but then it starts to tip and there's an hour when at some point nothing is the same after that. And so whether it's in nations or families, when that illusion of control and power, when you discover something was trying to be the center of gravity in our family, maybe it was a dad who was a control freak or you know, an addiction was at the center of somebody's heart, whatever it is, when that thing is called out and called to account, it changes everything, right? It could be one doctor appointment, it could be one car wreck, it could be one intervention, it could be one overdose. But the point that I think this scripture is saying is, you may not think that hour is coming, get real. Get real. The things of this world can tip quickly and fall apart quickly, whether it's empires or families that aren't really secure in the peace of God. They have their security from some other thing. 
Lots of, lots of people look good on Instagram, folks. For example, but how quickly have a lot of those people fallen apart? Image is everything? I don't think so. That's what we say. So the fall can come quickly. So what's the good news? You sound like, this is a real downer, Pastor. Okay. The good news is God's warned us and loves us and calls us out. And we do have the chance to turn. And there's second chances, even for those who are Christians who dabbled too much or fell to wake up and say, oh, forgive me, God. It is best to turn to God fully now, right? He, he said way back in the beginning to the church of Laodicea, you're neither hot nor cold. I want to spit you out of my mouth, right? He's saying, don't, church, don't live an unexamined life where you're trying to say you're part of my kingdom, but you're, you're really heavily invested in in the world where your treasure is the world's treasure, not the glory of God. Don't, don't live for caring more about the worldly stuff, the worldly politics, than you do God. I wonder how the American church will do in 2024 with that. If somebody could actually measure our energy, our passion, our eyesight, our dollars, are we gonna care? We're gonna deeply care more about the kingdom of God we're going to care more about Babylon passing away. We're going to care more about loving our neighbor. So priorities. Priorities, it comes down to, do, am I like these merchants that are whining and crying in chapter 18? Alas, alas. Right? Uh, where are your treasures? If everything was stripped away, including electricity and the internet, and you had your relationships and God, would you be terribly unhappy? Where is your peace coming from? And is it the true peace of God or is it the false peace? Where is your treasure? The comforts and the luxuries? Proverbs tells us about this stuff. It's a great book if you haven't read it in a while. Proverbs 4.23 teaches us to keep our heart with vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. What's pumping through your spiritual heart? The things of this world are, are not the lifeblood that can keep us going. You can think of love of God and love of people as that healthy combination of spiritual blood cells in our heart. That when we have love of God and love of people beating through our spiritual heart, we're able to do the things of God. It animates our, our body as individuals and as the church when we're pumping with the love of God and the love of people. That's what our hearts are designed for. But when we digest things into our life that be Get into a heart that aren't supposed to be there. It's like the plaques and the fatty stuff that gets in your blood, that clogs up your blood, that creates clots in your heart. It says, I'm having trouble here. I'm not supposed to pump this stuff, this selfishness, right? We need to be real. When we fill our blood with the impurities of this world, we're not going to have the stamina that God wants us to have to serve others. So God has told us what is good. And God has clearly told us what is passing away. What is in your heart? What is in your heart? He has told us what is good. Micah 6, 8. And what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, to love kindness, 
and to walk humbly with God. God, you have told us what is good. It's pretty simple, thank you, because we need that. And yet we are, often I am lured into the haunts of this world, giving things place in my heart, in, in the lifeblood that you want us to pump that should not be there. Oh, Lord, we turn from that. We repent of that. And we ask that our hearts could, could pump purely love for you, love for people. Help us to regularly examine our hearts and what we treasure and what we're tempted to let slip in. Help us to keep the, the wonderful earthly blessings that you give us and the ways you take care of us. Help us to hold these things lightly, but not as things that identify us or give us peace. Help us to be okay that if all we had was you and the love of the people who love us, that we would be okay. And help anybody who's rightly disturbed today and a little ticked off, Lord. Um, help them to deal with that. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Breath prayer for today or this week could be, Lord, you are my priority today. And it's Say that in the morning when you wake up, your eyes pop open. You could say, oh, I'm in pain. Or you could say, oh, Lord, you're my priority today. I want to keep this out in front of you. We're going to have a Revelation Read event early in October. And by that, I mean Sunday, October 1st in the evening. We're going to read Revelation from start to finish as an act of worship right here. I want to encourage you to put that on your calendar. I think it's going to be a a wonderful time of worship. Never done anything like it, but it's going to be great. Uh, Next, uh, if you're interested in a Bible study group or reading plan and you want to get more of the Word of God in your life and and God's truth, we we have some great options. And then the next thing is this. If you're interested in that suicide intervention training as a way you could love your neighbors, uh, let me know. You can let me know any of those things on the Connect card or talk to me after the service. Hello, friends. I truly pray that this message blessed you. And if you want to find out more about our ministries or listen to other messages or videos of our worship services, you can check us out at palousechurch.org or search for Palouse Church on YouTube or check us out on Facebook or we are on uh, the Bible app. There's different ways to find us. You can always email me, Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, at palousechurch.org to connect with me or to send me a prayer request. We really appreciate you connecting with us in this way, and may God bless your day.